You're listening to SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask experts, analysts, and business owners what MSPs need to do now to recession proof their MSP and keep their foot on the growth pedal. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special episode of SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP. I'm Radhika Nair, SuperOps.ai's in house storyteller. Joining us today is Vera Tucci, co-owner and COO of Italy-based MSP T-Consulting. They specialize in security and business continuity, and she has spent over 15 years building T-Consulting and is passionate about the MSP business model. She is here to talk to us about how you can create an MSP organization that is built for success. Welcome, Vera. So glad to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hello to everyone out there listening to the podcast. Yes, and we are glad to have you here again uh, after uh, quite a while now. And I hope, you know, we don't have such a long gap next time. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, this uh, this topic is something that, you know, I really wanted to have this conversation with you because, you know, uh, recent episodes uh, have been quite outward facing where we've been talking about, you know, clients and revenues and all of that, but building a strong organization, that's actually one of the key, key uh, methods to ensuring that you can survive and thrive no matter what the uh, macroeconomic conditions. And I'm really glad you're here because uh, from, from what I understand from our conversations, you started uh, your business when in in 2008 in in the right in the middle of one of the worst uh, economic or financial uh, times in our generation so I wanted to understand that first from you your first-hand experience of having built an organization through a downturn and your learnings from that how how you know how can an MSP business owner ensure that they have a strong organization and and I wanted to understand your experience and in hindsight, you know, some of the things that you would have done differently if you could yeah, walk us sure. through that. Yeah, of course. I, I, I often tell this story because um, when we started with our business, it was actually the end of 2007. So um, from our perspective, the, um, the upcoming crisis was still pretty far away. Um, mm-hmm. It was not something that was uh, very tangible in that moment. Uh, and, and we were privileged and lucky because we started our business with an, a pre-existing client base because my business partner used to be a system integrator, a freelance system integrator, had been doing that for over a decade back then. And so he had a few clients, nice, strong, uh, interesting uh, growing companies that he brought back to our business. So we didn't start from scratch um, and things were going pretty well in the beginning. But 12 months into the business, things started changing pretty quickly. Things overturned. Um, I don't want to say overnight because it was mm-hmm. not overnight, but things started changing around us pretty quickly. And our clients were the one struggling the most because they were the ones that had on their shoulders uh, bigger, more structured companies, um, more employees to to pay at the end of the month, um, 
higher expenses. We, we again, we're lucky because we were new, we were young. It was just uh, two founders, one uh, external help that uh, we were working with. Today, that person is our CTO. So he, he's been through into, um, good times and bad times with us. Um, mm -hmm. But we didn't have any debt. We didn't have the chance of making huge investments. So we, we were kind of, we, we were light in our structure. And our clients were struggling really a lot. Um, the problem was with that crisis that it kind of, it went into the cash flow pretty quickly um, mm. because it was something that was coming from the bank world. And so our clients were struggling to keep uh, a positive cash flow. Um, projections weren't met in you know the time frame that they were expecting. Um, and and we realized pretty quickly that even when things are good, like they were in the beginning for us, that's when you should start preparing for the bad times. Mm. And that hard moment went on until I think around 2010, 11, uh, things started going back to um, not normal, but they, they were starting going better. By by the time that things, I don't think any of us have a definition of normal anymore. Yes, <laughs> you're right. That's why, and I and I was thinking about the word normal, and I said, wait a minute. Before the crisis, I didn't have a business, so I don't know what normal was <laughs> before then. Mm. Um, but in 2012, 13, 14, things started going bad again. So we realized pretty soon that this is something that comes and goes in a business life and the way that you structure and prepare your organization for the bad times has a huge impact on the way that you behave during the good times mm -hmm. um so for for me the my um, my, my anchor in that moment was structuring, uh, a finance, um, layer for my company that was completely oversized compared to where the company was. Mm. So I started treating my organization as a 10 times bigger organization, Okay. even though it was just three people. And we have a few clients and we had just, we were working just with one bank uh, and we had moderate revenues. I started with the help of a consultant. I started creating this cash flow projection model, um, revenue uh, forecasting model that was for a company of a hundred people that already wow. had the the million euro revenue um that helped me create a mindset for my company a mindset of do not just behave for how your company is today but start showing up into the world as the company that you want to eventually become mm. uh and we were 
extremely careful with our money. The, we evaluated every small investment carefully. Um, we tried and do everything with our own margins without relying on the bank system because we, we couldn't in that moment, but even right. in the, the following years, we tried to, um, to use what the company could actually afford. And, mm -hmm. and that's something that it goes well personally. And also on the business side, when you start, um, when you start investing, not for the way that you can afford, but for the way that others will help you afford, yeah. I think that's when you you weaken your system because at one point things can change. Right. Banks can change their uh, their their laws, their uh, their criteria, uh, their interest rates, and they are going to make you pay for the investments that, that you made. And, and that's when the, 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 the issues will arise because you didn't just trust your own strength, but you relied on something that is external of your business. And in bad times, that can be tricky, especially for a small company. The bigger you are, the less impactful this kind of thing is. But for um, a new MSP of just a bunch of people less than 10, not really structured yet, um, trying and be as much as debt-free as you can, I think that's a very important uh, key point to remember. Right, right. You know, I wanted to come back to that uh, in a bit, but I wanted to step back a little. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at, and, and when I'm talking about building a, an organization uh, that is strong, we're talking about resilience, right? So, in in your opinion, what, how, how can a and and that can uh, differ from person to person. But I wanted to understand from your opinion, you know, when what would you say is the key criteria for building a resilient organization? I think it all goes back to the vision that you have, um, because resilience is the ability of surviving difficult times right to survive the stress test of life but how can you be sure that you are in fact surviving a hard moment and keep on walking on your path if you don't know what that path is and where that path is supposed to lead you so even if the majority of the MSPs are founded and are born from the idea of a technical single person who invested into creating a more structured organization. Um, the idea is for just one second, let's set the technology aside. And I know that saying that with people who are directly involved in the yes. tech <laughs> side of business can sound weird, mm. but, but we are not the technologies that we sell. We are the providers for our clients, right? So we need to know, not right away, because I understand that knowing that beforehand is something that is easier for owners who are born in the startup generation 
for people who founded more traditional businesses, this is something that um, we didn't have the chance of, of working on beforehand. But as soon as you realize that you don't know where you're going, you don't know if you can actually be resilient or not. So if if you find yourself in a hardship and, and you haven't prepared for it, stop. Just let go of what you're doing. Take a day, take two days and refocus on your vision. Um, what is the purpose of your company? Why did you found it? Uh, what kind of what kind of clients do you want to serve? How do you want to serve them? Why should they choose you in between all the other providers out there? There's always something unique that we are doing for our clients that create that creates the the good match in between clients and providers. But you are the one that can decide what is good for yourself and for your organization. So I think that the resilience comes if you know where you want to go and if you know who you're going to bring along with you in the journey in terms of people that will work with you, clients that you're going to serve, technology that you're going to bring on board, uh, services that you're going to pack for your clients, you have to be clear about that. Right, clarity of mission, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. The what, what's, what's the road? What's the road yes. for you? And and as you said, it's not something that is um, the same for everyone. We all have our own vision, but we have to be clear about that, especially when you start hiring people, because when bad times arise, they want to know what's the plan. Where are we going? Where are you going to lead me? And if you have that clarity, um, they can trust you a little bit more. Right, right. Yeah, very important point, right? You are the leader and you need to have a plan. And that ties back into the vision that you have set. That that can be the cornerstone of what you built. I also want to understand, you know, as, uh, you know, MSP business owners, as they are in whatever stage of the uh, business journey that they are in, how do they assess beyond, say, a profitability or a margins point of view? How do they assess, you know, if they want to, if they have to step back and see, okay, have I built a resilient organization? Have I built an organization that is strong, that can scale, that can uh, weather hard times, right? How, how mm -hmm. can they assess that beyond that, you know, okay, I'm making money, the revenues are coming in, there are profits, but that's not the only uh, way or that's not the only um, you know, way to figure out whether an organization will be successful tomorrow if, you know, suddenly things change. Yeah, uh, I think that it's, um, it's, a, it's a game that you need to play with your organization. When things are going well, you have clients, you have revenues, you have margins, you have employees, you have, you have the whole package, right? You're, mm. you're doing good, you're great, you're, um, you're proud of what you're doing. Start subtracting important things from the plan, from your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Start imagine, you know, it's when people do the um, the fantasy football, the fantasy league thing, right? They 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 
play with adding players and they play with scores, we have to do the opposite. We have to play the um, uh, fantasy disruptive scenario for MSP. Scary scenario. Hmm. This, yes. Like, let's try and, and imagine what happens if that key employee resigns. What happens if that piece of technology isn't uh, available for me anymore? What happens if that um, that fraction of my revenues uh, disappear because a client a client wants to close their contract before the 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 the, the planned uh, the planned end date? Um, what if um, what if I want to go on a vacation? What if my spouse wants to go on a vacation? What all the what ifs and the all the what ifs? It's not about being negative. That's the oh. opposite of being negative. It's not about living in the fear and waiting for the moment when uh, the other shoe will drop. It's not that. It's just imagining what will happen to my business if that thing that I rely on would suddenly disappear, all would change, or if I personally want to step aside for a few days from my organization. If things survive in your imagination, you can be sure that you are on the right path for resilience. Because the same approach that I always suggest for finances is the same that we should approach, that we should use with our team, with our technology with ourselves um, in finances you know that you can you can sleep better at night mm -hmm. if you know that you have a, an x amount of months of revenues and cash flows that are already there right um, if my clients stop paying me altogether all of them I can be okay for six months. You know, right. that's, that's a kind of a general rule. But if you use the same approach with your team, you can be sure that you are hiring enough people to serve your clients. If you um, can survive a client going to a hard time with their cash flow, you can see if that is something that is going to impact you. How many months can I wait for that client to pay me? One month, two months, three months, six months, depends. And, and, and it all goes back to the kind of organization that you want to run. If you know what organization you want, you can assess whether or not things can actually go in the path that you decided for yourself based on different kinds of criteria. But it's also uh, being okay with the fact that things can change. And it's not about normal or it's not about just things being bad or being, um, you know, unpredictable. It's, it is what it is. This is our world. It's less predictable than the ones where our parents were working in. Um, and we have to live in this, um, I think somebody called it the, the FUCA world. Um, uh -huh. F-U-C-A. Uh, uh -huh. I remember that in Italian. I don't know if I remember the translation. 
anyway it's about being um uh, a volatile world uh, mm. a world that is ever changing a world that is unpredictable a world that is um it's different it's fast right. yes. and so the, the resilience and uh, their criteria they go with uh with that sort of uh approach and mindset of getting along with change right and and one of the points that you made just there about uh, you know the staffing part of it right about figuring out you know if if say a key employee leaves then um, you know what happens and figuring out you know what's the kind of in a way buffer you need in your team so i know you know different types of uh, msps different types of uh, services that they offer or at whatever stage that they may be that staffing requirement will change and it's very difficult to give a suggestion on okay this is the way you need to uh, you know these are the kind of people that you need in your team but i wanted to understand from you when somebody is thinking about you know the kind of uh, staff that they need and there is this entire question of outsourcing some of your services having some of the uh, you know specialized areas within the organization or you know going uh, for specialized uh, expertise outside of the organization you know there are a lot of these different philosophies right mm-hmm. but how how can a business owner decide what is best for them you know do they uh, when they're looking at the services that they want to provide do they ensure that you know the core services are all in house do they structure their services based on the expertise they have in house do they outsource things like you know marketing and uh, to a certain extent some of the other say a marketing finance accounting completely outside how do they decide what works best for them um well that's a very great question and i think that i have to give you a very annoying answer it depends <laughs> <laughs> yes i know i know it depends but yes depends. i want to get a sense of you know yeah. how, how do how do i decide that you know this is what will work for me beyond trial and error right trial and error is a very uh, yeah. good way to figuring it out but beyond that it, it's expensive and it's scary the yes. trial and error yes. um i think that if you know what kind of benefit you want to bring to your clients and what kind of problem you want to solve for your clients you can start planning for a service and you can start designing the the portfolio that you want to offer to your clients starting from that you can decide and you can you can just you can just assess how many resources do i have already in house to provide for that kind of service if i have some resources and i need a part of them to start and to actually provide my clients with the kind of services that i want i would say go for outsourcing for mm-hmm. that fraction of the expertise that right now you're missing if right. you don't have anyone in your organization you included that can mm-hmm. actually be there uh for the long run i would suggest wait and create that expertise in house you need at least one person in house to be responsible for that specific service or that specific office even if they're not 
the most skilled or the, the, the most senior in your organization, if you have at least one person of your internal team that can be responsible for that project, for that service, for that department to be built, start with them and support them with external help. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't outsource completely um, crucial part of my organization if I didn't know that anyone of my team, myself included, could actually be there in the long run. Because uh, an external partner can be trustworthy and can be extremely helpful, but conditions can change. It's, it's like the market, right? Like we were saying before, the, the, the market, the environment, the scenario that we live in, things can change. So if you completely delegate it to somebody that is outside of your organization for something, that puts you in a very dangerous perspective. That's why we, um, we try and use this same mindset with our clients. When mm-hmm. they say, oh, we don't have anyone in-house that deals with IT, can you take everything on and, and, and manage every part of our network? It's not that we don't do it. Maybe we, we do it in the beginning, but we really push the client for hiring at least one internal person, somebody that can be there for them that knows the details of their business. I think that's, um, that's the good ratio in between in-house and external. External can come and support you, can be a backup for uh-huh. your team, or they can give you uh, a wider perspective, a wider um, you know, experience and expertise. But you should have one person that in-house can take the responsibility for something. Because that's yeah, someone, someone holding the keys to the castle almost, right? Internally, that that gatekeeper yeah. deck. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Got it. And and I also wanted to understand, uh, you know, on the client side, and we touched upon the clients, uh, uh, you know, very briefly uh, in in this conversation so far. But I wanted to understand a lot of for a lot of businesses, they might think or. Uh, that they are not in a position to be picky and choosy about clients, but this is something that we have spoken about before as well, about the need to have or to almost have a curated client base, right? To ensure that you are working with people that you can work with. I wanted to understand that how how do you decide or where, how and when do you decide that you can be picky and choosy with your clients and how do you, what what again, you know, and, and I know we are talking about criteria quite a bit, but what criteria do you use to do that, you know, choose your clients? Well, in, let's start with the when you should start being choosy. And if I could go back in time, I would say to myself, you should start right away. Mm. Because it's like in our personal life. There's no right time for us to be choosy with the friends that we surround ourselves with with the partners that we choose with the spouses that we choose we know that we have to be surrounded by good people 
respectful people, smart people, people that can actually elevate our personal existence. But the right. same thing goes with business. But we were raised in a culture where the client is always right. The client is the one that we have to serve. The client is the one that we have to obey to. And that that's part of the old uh, business mindset. I think that today with everything that we know about mental health, work-life balance, uh, well-being within the organization that you work for, um, you should, you as the owner, as the founder, as the leader, should start immediately being choosy with your clients. Um, because the interactions that you're going to have with the clients will dictate the quality of your work life and your personal life. Because if a client is toxic mm. uh, financially, uh personally uh if they are the risk the, the they're not respecting your staff or or yourself if they don't respect your work if they don't respect respect the terms of your contracts that is going to have an impact in your company but you're going to bring that back home so it's going to have right. an impact on your life as well so i would say be choosy right away, not because you want to be arrogant or because you think you're better than other people, but because you are the only one that can decide who's going to be with you during your journey. Right. And, and that's for you to decide. Um, the criterias for me are um, both objective and subjective. Objective, of course, they go with... Um, the discussion of the contract if you are fixated on the price and the only important thing for you is to just um you know scratch the price and uh allow yourself to have a 30 percent discount that's not the kind of negotiation that i want to have i want to talk about value i want to talk about growth i want to talk about helping you achieving your business goals if you treat me as um just you know a, a basic provider that means that you are missing the point of the whole msp uh mindset right. so that is uh, subjective and objective at the same time there's all oh, of course the financial side if you're gonna pay me on time and that that shows respect it shows respect for my organization and for my people because as a client, you know that if you don't pay me, I can face some issues, right? So if you deliberately choose not to pay me on time, that shows a lack of respect. So negotiation, financials, and respect for the terms of payment, but also uh, a subjective criteria of how are my people how they how do they feel when they interact with you i talked it's about um uh, during our uh panel at the super summit i had a client that uh when when he was um calling at our offices the telephone would ring 15 18 times before mm. a tech would actually pick up the phone um, because they were just, okay, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You talk and to him. You talk to him. 
Exactly. And usually that was um, one of those initiation thing for the, the newbies, the oh, new God, tech. Yes. <laughs> was We've to all been through that. Oh, no. Exactly. But we don't have that anymore. We, we changed the, the system of uh, clients accounting. But uh, tickets were just uh, stagnant on the PSA because nobody wanted to deal with that person. And it became some sort of a given fact that this was a difficult client, right? But mm-hmm. we, I didn't pay enough attention to it for a few years. And then one of my senior um, staff members came to me and said, Don't, do whatever you want, ask me anything, but do not send me there ever again. And he uh-huh. was that serious. And uh-huh. for a young man in his 30s to be that open about the impact that the client had on him emotionally, I think mm-hmm. that that was a very huge red flag. So from that moment on, we decided that we were going to set ourselves for um, a client's review once a year and for um, an organized client's firing system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a few things to uh, to to plan ahead for like I want to fire this client and I want to be the one respecting the terms of the contract so I'm going to give the client a six months heads up about this is what's going to happen in six months do you want to help finding a new provider are you okay on your own I'm not going to leave you by yourself I'm going to help you uh, in this transition time Um, and that's what you have to be prepared for in terms of facing an awkward conversation with the client. But also you need to prepare for for the amount of revenues that you're going to miss. So if you can afford to spend the following six months finding new clients that can uh, make up for the lost revenues, or if you can start uh, an upsell or um, cross-sell, you know, review with your existing clients, that's important. Because you you don't want to miss that client. You don't want to feel that you made a mistake. You don't want to go back and yes. beg for forgiveness. And no, you don't want. It's like in a relationship. If you decide that it's not good for you anymore, that's when you should stop. But it, it has to be something that you plan for um, in your organization. It's not something that you should do on a whims. It's, it's not about being... Um, being disrespectful but right. but it's it's more about creating the good environment for yourself and for your team got it got it and i want to come back to you were talking about the review right i want to come back to that but i also wanted to touch upon you know what you were talking about the uh not paying on time you know things like that right like what you were mentioning and that's something that um uh especially considering the environment right now while we may say that MSPs are uh, immune to recession to a large extent, but the clients that we deal with, MSPs deal with, are not really, right? A lot of them are facing bad times. And I wanted to understand that, you know, and it's linked to this being choosy about being a client, right? How do you ensure that as a business, um, you have that visibility to cash flow? How do you ensure that, you know, you are not... Uh, racking up bad debts, you are ensuring that, you know, it's not just about profitability or revenues, right? You're ensuring 
that that visibility on you know where when the money is coming how much the money is uh, coming how do you build that in and how do you ensure that you know you are not stuck in the cycle of you know following up on invoices and trying to get money in and and this is especially true of you know slightly smaller msps right once you reach a certain stage where you have a proper team who are doing all of this that's a different matter or if you are you know only dealing with clients who are large professional organizations that that's a different matter but that's not the case with the uh, you know smaller msps right so how 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 can they tackle such a situation uh, if you are just starting out and you don't want to start investing in financial monitoring uh, systems and softwares, I think that a good old Excel spreadsheet is going to do the work for you. Um, I would start, well, um, let me tell you what it, with, what did I actually did? Uh, what sure. did I do uh, back in the days when I started? Um, I started with an Excel sheet and, and I started listing all the clients and all the um all the revenues that I could actually forecast. And I realized that I hadn't switched all my clients into uh, recurring revenues. So I was working with too many clients still on a brick fix uh, contract rather than um, switching them into um, uh, a monthly or a quarterly payment. So mm -hmm. that was the, the first signal, right? There are too many people that we cannot rely on with a monthly payment. And so we started working on that. Uh, but the point is when you open an Excel sheet and you start just brainstorming and putting down all the things that you can be sure of, the terms of payment, the kind of clients, the kind of contracts, you can have an, a clear view on the financial processes of your business and and you can start working on the things that are uh, riskier for yourself um, and you can start having those conversations with the client i think that honesty pays out and transparency pays out so talking to the client and talking to the person in charge saying you know what i reviewed our contract this is not working out for us because we are uh, there's too much exposure for us. We have to renegotiate the terms of payment. Or in Italy, for example, there's a difference in between the the way that people pay you. You can uh -huh. have um, one sort of um, assured bank transaction, which is something that is mm. better for uh -huh. the receiver. Or you can have the basic wire transfer, which is better for the client that is paying. So it. it's it's about how many days are you allow, allowing them to pay you, uh, the way that you're allowing them to pay you. It's all about being transparent with them and having that channel of communication open uh, without being afraid of sounding needy, financially needy or, or weak or uh, I don't want to show up my clients that I need to be paid. You do need to be paid. And you should, they should know that you care about your team and your office space and, and your vendors. Um, and, and they should actually respect you enough to have that conversation with you. But 
there are so many tools out there that can help you create a, a good dashboard for your finances the way the same way that we do with the other technical uh, platforms that we use in our companies. But if you're not there yet and you don't want to make that investment, start with an with a with the Excel, and you can have some indicators about how many months your cash. Uh, can cover you for uh, payrolls, how much are they on the annual um, basis or the monthly basis. It depends on the kind of uh, work labor laws that you have in your country and the kind of right. taxes, of course. But do a yearly plan and a yearly overview. And I would say monthly check if what happened was what you expected to happen. It's something right. that you need to tackle pretty frequently. And I think monthly is a good time frame when you are in the beginning. The more you structure your company um, with that sort of systems, the longer the time of yeah. checking in can be, it can go up to uh, quarterly, I think that's that's a good time frame. I wouldn't do that every six months because in this economy, things are changing too fast to, to realize that something, it's not going well in a six month uh, time period. I think that every three months you should do a review of the clients, the terms of payments, do the things that I was expecting actually hap happened in the last 30 days. What can I do? Should I talk to the client? Should I talk to the bank? Should I talk to the vendors? Because mm. sometimes it's you who are not negotiating with your vendors. Um, should I change the the credit card because I have um, fees that are too high? Should I uh, change my providers in terms of uh, taxes and payrolls? All, all these kind of things they can they can only happen if you list all the things that you have to um, provide for or be accountable for and right. see if your plan is actually uh, happening on a monthly basis. Right. And I wanted to extend this point and what you were mentioning earlier a little bit about the client reviews, right? I, You know, when, when you are uh, looking at your business, as, at your organization, right, what are the things that you review? What are the things that you keep a check on and how regularly do you do that? Like you mentioned about the annual review of your clients, right? Mm -hmm. How, what are the, um, you know, how, how do you assess the health of your business? Again, you know, slightly going back to the earlier point, but, you know, from a very specific perspective of reviewing, right? What are the kind of, uh, you know, metrics and non, you know, financial aspects that you keep track of? How often do you review them? How do you, you know, how do you uh, do that process of that review, right? How, how, if you could walk me through that. I um I organized my calendar uh, and my uh, fellow board members' calendars uh, on a color-coded slash responsibility basis. We mm. we are a small company of fifteen people, so we're not a huge organization, right? So of course, uh, the founders and the managers have sometimes more than one job. Um, I, for example, am in charge of uh, finances and marketing and operations, and my partner is in charge of sales and R&D, and I have another colleague who's the, uh, the, the NOC manager and also the CTO. So we, we have different responsibilities. So let's start with uh, listing 
what are the departments that we are in charge of? Starting from that, I can decide what are the KPIs for each department that I'm in charge of. For example, uh, finances for me is something that I'm very careful about. So I have an internal staff member and I have an outsourced accounting firm. I decided to plan for a weekly meeting with my internal staff person and she's the one dealing with the outsourced accounting firm. So I'm not the one dealing with the accounting. I'm dealing with my staff. And weekly, she gives me a report on the state of the the, um, the balance with the banks that we work with, the 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 state of the open um, receivables from clients, um, the decisions that need to be made uh, with vendors and providers and payments and whatever. But she talks to me once a week, just for 30 minutes. It's all about uh, being consistent. It's not about having huge meetings that are useless. It's about a 30-minute update every single week where the person that is operationally in charge of doing things can talk to me about strategic decisions that need to be made. And I give her, for that purpose, 30 minutes every week, usually on a Monday, because that's when payments will come in after the weekend. Marketing. Marketing is a whole different topic because we have uh, different things that we have to overview, you know, the, the advertising and the events and the follow-up and the, the lead generation things. And again, I have internal people and an and a agency that supports us. So I meet with my internal staff twice every week because that's a newer team for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't okay. have internal marketing before last year. So okay. we, we meet twice every week. One day we plan and two days after we check if we are on track with our plan and we meet uh, every quarter with the external agency. Um, so with delivery, it's the same thing. You, uh, I, we meet with our project manager every week for a three-hour long meeting where each and every one of them give the, gives the update on uh, the, um, the, the delivery time for each project. It's all about how long it's too long before you realize that something is wrong. Mm. So based on how much time can you afford to wait um, gives you the idea of how often you should have a clear view on what's happening. It's the same thing that we use with our clients when we provide business continuity and disaster recovery services, right? We ask them, how much data can you afford to lose? How much time can you afford not to be uh, operational? Um, those are the same questions that we should ask ourselves. Starting from that, you can actually decide how often do you want to meet with your people. If you don't have the people and you're just doing everything by yourself, how often should I check on that specific thing? Because even if you're alone, you don't want to keep running in circles and, and checking the same things over and over if you can actually plan your 
calendar according to your real needs and not just your anxiety because when you're alone you have more anxiety right but you 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 should use your calendar as a as a tool uh for um planning and not just your appointments but also for um deciding how often something should be checked upon got it got it um yeah were there any other uh, points that you think we should uh, cover on this topic i think that we we um we covered a, a lot of different aspects of the 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 this kind of conversation but mostly i think that the the most important thing is to um remember that you're not alone there's always somebody that you can ask for help externally internally your peers your community but start with knowing exactly where you want to go if you yeah. at least know that you can ask for help uh getting there um right. but but that's something that should it should it should come from you and that that's going to help you when the bad times will will come because they will come and i'm sorry yes. to say that yeah. <laughs> i don't want to be i don't want to be a downer but bad times will will come again but they will pass yes. and you're going to be good again yeah and and i remember you mentioning about you know uh, you know hope for the best but prepare for the worst i think that that's something that uh, that that's something that we can all uh, you know keep in mind especially you know as business owners when you are uh, planning for something you do need to think about you know you can't yeah. just be hopeful you can't just be you know optimistic all the time exactly. you need to prepare for the bad yes and remember mm-hmm. the things that you tell your clients because we are very good at giving clients good advice when it comes to prepare and um and you know give give them uh the the right tools to be uh, prepared for every sort of scenario um let's start to use those advice internally first internally. for for our organizations so that we can be stronger for them when they're going to need us true true yes live by the advice that we are providing our clients right yeah that's yes. that really true thank you so much vera that was a great conversation i'm really uh, sorry to you know end this now but i i think we have uh, this topic has a potential for a follow up episode and we'll do that so thank yeah. you so much great to have you on this episode thank you thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure as always